Book your space now. It's going to be an awesome evening. All right, what we're going to do this morning, we finished last week. If you were here, we finished our summer sermon series on the book of Ruth. Close that out, six parts. If you missed that, great to have a catch-up, check out online. Next week, we're starting our new series on the book of Joshua. Uh, Be strong and courageous, and we're going to run that through round to kind of Easter next year with a break for Christmas and stuff. So if you want to get ahead of the game, have a little read of the book of Joshua. I'll send out some stuff this week that you can look at, a video to watch, just to help you get into that before we start officially next week. But what I'm going to do today is a practice I've done since we started the church, and that is three times a year beginning of each term, if you think of it like a school, I come back and we remind us as a church of where we're going, what's happening, and uh, just kind of what's coming up for the rest of the year and just kind of take stock. The reason I do this is because I feel it's important to remind us of what God has said to us and where we're going as a church because the bottom line is we forget. Life rushes in, things happen, and things come out of our mind. If we're not constantly reminded we, need, we, we just forget. It just goes out of our mind. And if we read through the Bible, you find times where God tells his people to remember. Remember what's happened. Remember what's gone on before you. And sometimes in the Old Testament, they built altars. They built piles of stones to remind them of events. Through the New Testament, it says, remember what's happened to you. Remember what's happened. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a time to remember what God said, but also look ahead. So I'm going to look at, first of all, where we're going as a, uh, sorry, what we're about as a church. Then we'll look at what we're, where we're going. So our purpose as a church. Now, we write it on a banner here. They're getting a bit old. We're getting some new ones done. Um, but our purpose doesn't change. It's what we're about as a church. If you were going to sum it up in a word, it would be Jesus We're all about Jesus here. We're all about making his name known, making his name great. But what we do is we sum it up in our purpose statement, which if you've worked out, I say this every week to you. Has everyone actually kind of cottoned on to this? The spiel I do at the beginning is the same every week. If you got that, are you indoctrinated like Pavlov's dogs yet when I say that? But the reason I do it is to remind us. It also helps anyone who's new coming in thinking, okay, we're clear about where you guys are going and what you're doing. But we believe real life is about having a relationship with Jesus, following the example of Jesus or model of Jesus and changing our world with Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about, number one, having a relationship with him. That's the most important thing in the world, your relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you need to get one. That's where it starts. Get to know Jesus, become a Christian, follow him. And then from that, we're transformed by the Spirit. We grow in the likeness of him. We become more like him. We follow his model. We follow his example. And then through that, it affects the world around us. And we see others come to know Jesus for self. And the cycle begins again. And that's what we're about as a church. And we're unashamed of that. Our ultimate aim is to get as many people to know Jesus for themselves. And we want to be growing as disciples, growing as followers of Jesus, but also we want others to know Jesus. And that's what we think life's all about. That's the most important thing in life. That's the fundamental. That's the basis. That's our purpose. And as a church, when we began doing the Mass, was it just over seven years ago, Melanie and I moved here with our team to start this. And the church would be seven in January when we officially started. It's been our purpose since we began, and it will always be our purpose to know, get people to know Jesus for themselves. Now, but where are we going? That's our purpose, that's what we're about. But where we're heading, our vision, our direction. Well, when we sought to start the church, God spoke to us, and we felt he said three particular things to us that we've built everything on. This is what, what your church is going to look like, your flavor of church. I take the kids, I uh, took them out on Saturday and we went out and the weather was better than it was today and we got an ice cream. And you go up the ice cream, you have different flavors of ice cream, don't you? Which one do you have? What do you prefer? You know, my boys, I think they chose toffee. I would have gone for the honeycomb, but they chose toffee. That's what they like. 
But each church has its flavor. This is our flavor. This is what we're about. And we believe God has called us to be a large, influential, reproducing church. We felt that at the beginning uh, as we studied the Bible and we prayed. We thought, God, what are you calling us to be? What is real life church going to be like? And he said three things for us. And I believe he spoke to us through the scriptures. He spoke to us, through, this is what it, if you read the Bible, this is what comes out of here. But he also spoke to us prophetically some things that we hold on to. So the first one, I believe God has called us to be a large church. The reality is if you take the whole big story of the Bible, the meta-narrative, God has always wanted a people for himself and he's always wanted that people to grow numerically large. I don't know if you knew that. If you go back to the beginning, what does he do? He creates Adam and Eve in the garden over here at the beginning. And what is the first thing he says to them? Multiply. Make more, grow in number, get bigger. There's two of you, I want more than that. That's what he says to them. Grow in number. You're my people, I want you to grow and multiply. And we follow the story through, we get this guy called Abraham. God calls him out and he says to Abraham, he says, right, I'm going to make a promise to you, Abraham. Your descendants are going to be what? Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And if you go to a beach over the summer... Went to a couple of beaches. There's a lot of sand. There really is. And if you look in the sky, if you're not in a city and there's no light pollution, you can see an awful lot of stars. So he says, I'm going to multiply you like that. If you follow the story of Abraham through, he has a son, Isaac. He has a son, Jacob, who has 12 sons. They go down into Egypt. They grow. They become the nation of Israel. As they come out of Egypt with Moses... They come out, they enter the promised land. We can look at that when we do Joshua. They enter the promised land, they take land, they become this nation. So God's people has grown and multiplied into this great and mighty nation. And under David, under Solomon, it reaches kind of its pinnacle as this great nation, expansive borders. They are the people of God. They are God's chosen people. But the prophets come. The prophets start speaking to them and say, actually, if we go to the book of Isaiah, this is the prophet said, it's not just you. It's not going to be about you, this ethnic group that are the descendants of Abraham. He said it's more than that. In Isaiah 2, 2, it says the mountain of the Lord will become chief among the mountains and the nations of the world will stream to it. They will come to the mountain of the Lord. Not just Israel, but actually all the nations, the Gentile nations around about. You go to Isaiah 49. It says you will be a light, my people, too. The Gentiles, to everyone else, you will shine that light and actually people will see God through you. It's not just going to be you, it's going to be wider than that. We go into the New Testament and we get Jesus come, the chosen one who was promised back in Genesis. He comes to establish God's kingdom. And what does he do? He trains his 12 followers and then when he dies, rises from death, inaugurates a new kingdom. And what does he say to his followers? He's about to ascend to heaven. Go into all the nations. Tell everybody about me. Teach them what I've told you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we fast forward to the end of the book. Gone through Acts and the church is growing and multiplying and they're planting churches all over the place. And we get to the end, Revelation. And there is a throne. John sees in his vision in heaven. And before that throne there is a multitude that cannot be numbered from every tribe and nation and people group and language. All there before the throne of God. God has taken something and he has grown his people to this huge multitude that stand before him and worship him from all over the world. God has called his people to grow numerically large throughout the scriptures. And God has called us as a church to grow numerically large. We've had some prophetic words that have come to us even before we started 
the church, which was hysterical when our initial team was kind of like, you know, a few adults and a kid. That's what it was. And God said, I'm going to grow you numerically large. When our eldest son was born, uh, is Levi, he's now seven. But when he was born, we get given this red book by the NHS. And in it, you plot the growth of your child. It's quite intimidating, but they put these lines on there, which are the average lines and the upper percentile, upper quartile, and lower quartile. And you have to track them, and you have to keep going and get your kid weighed to make sure they're growing properly, and they plot it on the book, and it gets this line. Now, if you've met our, young, our eldest son, and uh, you saw him when he was a baby, he was on the larger side of the spectrum. He was quite a big, chunky baby, and they plotted his line, and he was right up the top of the graph in the 95th percentile. He was really big and really strong, and someone came up to us as we were leaving to plant the church in our here, and he said, Phil, God's got something for you guys. And we said, you know, what's that? And he said, I feel as your son has grown bigger than the curve, bigger than average, so real-life church will grow like that. Real life church will grow bigger than average. It will grow numerically large. And we were like, whoa, there's only a few of us, but we'll take that. We'll own that. Even as we've come here, God's prophesied about growth and expansion and growing out of rooms and getting bigger. We had to move here because why? We grew out of our last place. God is fulfilling his word to us. So we're convinced that God is going to grow us bigger than we are now. I don't know where that will end, what that means. But I'm expecting, I'm in faith for what God has said to come true. The second thing God said to us, we would be an influential church. It's not just about numbers or bums on the seats. It's about having a positive effect around us. And if we read the Bible, you find that God has used men and women time after time throughout the scriptures to be influential for his kingdom. But they've often just been in, in kind of what you would call just worldly jobs, if you know what I mean. Just, they were just doing their jobs. If we look at Joseph... He was the prime minister of Egypt. He just had an ordinary job in a pagan culture. And yet, if you go the story, we preached through this bit. If you, um, it's on our website. But we looked at him. He became prime minister in this pagan nation. But he was used to basically save the nation of Israel and save the world through a horrific famine. Because of his administration, him doing what he did, he managed to save the world. God spoke to him and he was influential for his kingdom. There are children just herring down there. I hope there's a leader with them. Just saying. Don't worry, everything's under control. Just, when you just see the heads bunning past, you're just like, one of them could be mine because he moves that fast. Oh, here come the adults, that's good. All right. Where was I? Joseph, Daniel. Think about Daniel, the prime minister in Babylon. He was one of these officials there and he always used him to preach to a pagan king and to advance his kingdom there we see uh, Queen Esther in Persia and actually what she was doing and how God used her to save the people of God and just used her in those kingdoms Nehemiah was also a cupbearer to the king in Persia and God used him as part of his administrative role to go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem which had been destroyed rebuild its walls rebuild its gates they were just people, men and women, going about kind of what, where God had placed them in the world, and they were used for his kingdom. We go to the New Testament, what do we find Jesus say about us? He says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt is to bring out flavor, prevent decay in, in, around it. That's what we use salt for. And actually, light is to shine. It says that the city on the hill can't be hidden. It's meant to shine out. You, you're meant to see it. You can't hide it. And as a people, we are there to bring 
God's influence into wherever he's placed us. And we're to be good to wherever we are. And God spoke to me about this as we were preparing to lead the church, uh, to come here um, and plant the church. I was reading through my Bible in a year. And I got to the book of uh, Jeremiah, and it got to Jeremiah 29. And there's a famous bit in Jeremiah 29 where it says, you know, I know the plans I have for you. Everyone knows that to prosper you. But before that section, there's another bit which just leapt out from me. And it says this. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I'm sent from exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So the people of God have been taken out of their city, their home, and gone into exile in Babylon. And Jerusalem has been destroyed. And they're like, what do we do? We're, we're now in a foreign land, a foreign nation how do we deal with this and he says build houses live in them plant gardens eat their produce take wives and have sons and daughters take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters multiply there and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where i've sent you into exiles and pray to the lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find welfare your welfare and i felt god say to us as we were coming to this city we were to go there like that we were to build homes, we were to have children, we were to take jobs, and we were to seek the welfare of the city where we're part of. We're part of the city of Birmingham, and we are here to seek its welfare, to seek its good. By taking jobs, by buying houses, by having kids, by seeing those kids grow up and then get married, and it multiplies on and on, and those kids have babies. We are here to seek the influence and the good of our city. That's what we're here for. Most of us spend most of our time not in here. We're out doing jobs, whether it's unpaid jobs like parenting and raising kids or voluntary work or it's actually a paid employment, which would be most of us going to do something. We're here to be good at what we are and good to the people around us. We are to be the best at whatever job you do. Fill in your job title. You are to be the best, whatever it is, wherever you are, and seek good for your colleagues, for your bosses, for the company you're a part of, and just be influential for his kingdom. We can be influential with our neighbors and be the best neighbors we can, be, can to love on them and serve them and do whatever we can to increase it. And my heart is for us as a, as a church is to be known that we are good to the community around us. We do it corporately when we do events together, some of the things we do, the Sutton Games and the Fun Run and the things we get involved in. We're out on the high street in Boldmere. We want to be good. That's what we put on our T-shirts if you've seen those t-shirts, they say good to our community on the back. That's the point. But actually more than that, we're individuals who scatter into jobs so wide and vary. But we're to be good there and be the best we can and be the best bosses and be the best employees and be the best employers we possibly can to serve for God's kingdom. And the last one, we are to be a reproducing church. What we've got, what God's given us cannot terminate on ourselves. It can't be that God blesses us and that's it. Because what did God say to Abraham back in the morning? He says, I will bless you to be a blessing. You've got to pass on what you're given. And we're to pass on what we've given. We're to reproduce ourselves and give it on. What did Jesus do when he came? What's his example? He gathers 12 guys together, his disciples. He trains them, he teaches them, he sends them out for authority. And then what does he do at the end when he gathers them together? What, you're to, what are you to do? Go and make disciples. There should be more of you. It can't just end on you. We need to reproduce ourselves. And that's individually. We see people become Christians, but also corporately. We're to plant churches. Start more churches so more people get to know Jesus. There's a wonderful example in Acts 13. You want to look this up. Acts 13, starting about verse 2, where it's, it, it 
chronicles Paul, the Apostle Paul's journey. And in the space of about a chapter and a bit, you see him plant churches in. He starts in Antioch, then he goes to Cyprus and Perga and another Antioch in Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, planting churches in all those places. Then he retraces his steps, comes back to all those towns to check how things are going and ends up back in Antioch where he began. Planting churches, reproducing himself. Paul gives this command to Timothy in the book, to Timothy 2.2. To Timothy 2.2, it says, What you've heard from me, pass on to faithful men who will then tell others. So you've got Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. There's a reproducing, which what began with Paul, carried on through Timothy, and then was multiplied on and on. We are to multiply and reproduce ourselves. And God spoke to us really powerfully about this before we came to plant the church. He said it four times in four separate occasions through four separate people. He said to us, um, we're going to be like a strawberry plant. And the first time we got that, we were like, I don't even know what that means. And yeah. Well, what's that? We had to go and look it up. But when the second person said, I feel God's going to be like a strawberry plant. And we were like, okay, this God's on, something, something's being said. And then the third time, and then the fourth time, we thought, man, God is really in this. So the strawberry plant is the official plant of Real Life Church. Strawberry is the official fruit of Real Life Church. And if you learn about strawberry plants, you plant a strawberry plant and it produces fruit, which is great. It makes nice jam, good on scones for the summer. Um, but what it does is it sends out sh- these little shooty things called runners. And what they do is they run as going on the ground. They, go, they trail on the ground and they go into the ground. And then what happens? A new plant appears. When I worked this out, my mind just went, oh my goodness gracious, God, what are you saying? And that's what happens. And they multiply and they multiply. And if you see wild strawberries, you look at them and you don't know where one starts and one finishes because you've got all these runners going out, plants appearing, fruit all over the place. And I believe God has called us as a church to multiply and reproduce ourselves. We're going to see people become Christians. We've got the Alpha Course doing that. But we're going to plant churches. We're going to reproduce ourselves corporately in other places. I don't know where. Don't ask me. God hasn't told me that yet. I'm sure he will. But we're going to do that. And we are going to see ourselves multiplied. And there will be new churches that come out of us. New plants that come out of us that will bear fruit and give glory to God. And it is exciting and intimidating about what that looks like. But I believe that's what God has called us to as we move forward. All right, so that's kind of where we're heading. That's where we're heading. We're still on that journey. We've been on it for seven years. And we're still walking into what God's called us to. And um, please be in prayer about that and what's next. Now what I usually do at the back end of this, just kind of to finish, is I, I take us through kind of what our plans for the year were and sort of where we are and what's happening. But, and we usually have these. We had 12 steps one year and we had a to-do list. I think that was last year. But this year we only wanted to do one thing. We, we got together the leadership and we we're praying, saying, what what's God calling to this year? And it was actually only one thing. And if you remember this time last year, if you were here with us, our one thing was we needed a new home. Because we were in the youth center just down the road there, and we'd basically maxed out the venue. We'd maxed out the kids' rooms. They were just, the idea of trying to put nine teams in there would have been, like, we can only cope with a couple um, we didn't have room. Our main hall was getting small for us. We had a little bit more wiggle room, but because you guys keep reproducing and there's more children everywhere, you're like, oh, come on. We didn't have room for the kids, so we had to move. And so our one thing was new venue, get in the venue, get settled, and take everybody with us. And if we had a to-do list, I want to say, tick. 
I think we did this because in January we moved here. We haven't even, we've only been here nine months. Well, eight months. Eight months and three days. But we've moved. We've got settled. We've, they've, they've made the place look nice for us with the new curtains and the painting and the floor, which I am very appreciative of. So in January, we moved here. We started with a three-week sermon series called In This House, where we just kind of reset who we are, what we're about. If you're new to us, it would be worth going back and just reviewing those, just so you kind of get a bit of a flavor of some of the things we do here and why we do them. But that's where we set our journey, and that's what we can do. And that was nine months ago. And I think by God's grace, we've come, we've settled we're growing into this place. We're multiplying teams. We're kind of, everything seems to be working. For those of you who are with us in the move, it feels like we've been here a while, longer than it we actually have. It feels like we've settled and this is our new home. And I want to just kind of say thank you, Jesus, for your grace upon us. Because when we move, we just, we just didn't know what was going to happen. You know, when you move house, you just, sometimes it can go well, sometimes it can go bad. We're thinking we're going to take a year to unpack, find everything, make sure everything works. And we're there already, so I am thrilled about that. In April, uh, when I did this again, I, we, we, were, we were still in that process of settling down. And I report to you about how the leadership of the church was going and how we're look, moving to look, uh, as we're growing, how we're going to change that, particularly in the area of trying to appoint um, elders, because that's the biblical model for church leadership. We read it throughout the New Testament. You have elders, overseers, pastors. It's all interchangeable words. But that's what we are, and we're starting that journey. And I reported to you that myself, uh, Mike Brewer, John Dean, Jeremy Douglas Jones, and Matt Yates were kind of going on that journey to see whether God has called us as a team to be the ones to lead this church forward. And I can report to you at this point, we've started meeting together monthly where we're just talking through some things, the church, direction, the elders cover a, a number of things about kind of doctrine, what we believe, the discipline, anything, sin that we need to handle in the church, uh, direction, uh, delegation, kind of making sure everything's done, and also where we're going um, in discipleship and growing you guys as followers of Jesus. And that started. Andy Martin, who oversees the church, who's been here to preach, he's met with us, he's been in the room, he's kind of helping us that process, helping me form this team and move forward. Um, and we're also meeting every fortnight on a Friday morning at half past six to pray at my house. So we're praying for you every other week now, praying for the church, kind of making it a priority in what we do. Um, and things are going well. Nothing more to say on top of that other than please keep praying for us. Please hold us in prayer and as we walk through this journey. It's not something that you can do quickly, and it's not something that we should rush, uh, but it is vital to the health and the forward momentum of the church. So that's going well. Please keep in prayer. If you want more details on that, when I spoke in April, that's online. You can go and have a listen to that to find out, kind of flesh that out if you missed that, but we're still moving forward. So that's good. Right, let's talk about the last three months of this year. Two things I want to just, um, four months really, of this year. Two things I want to say. First one is we're getting bigger. You're growing. Have you noticed? We're topping, we're, we're creeping towards 200 on a Sunday. A lot of those are under 18s. We've multiplied the kids' teams. Mel's mentioned that. Um, but that doesn't exclude the under threes or the youth. So in terms of numbers, we've got a lot of young people, a lot of adults. I think it's fair to say we're no longer a small church. We've, whatever's next, medium-ish, we're not that. We're growing. We've moved out. I was at a, a leaders meeting a while back, and they were talking about, you know, church that's been planted, church plants. And I was, I was like, yeah, we're a church plant. And my leaders all shouted me down and said, I think we've moved beyond that. 
I think we're, I think we're, I think we're the other side. I think they were offering to pray for church plants. I was like, I'll have that. I'll have that. And I think, I think we've moved beyond that. But this brings some challenges. We've got three challenges out there. Community, communication, and capacity. It's good they all begin with C, isn't it? Let me roll through this. It's like the Lord's in it. First one. Community. As we grow, this brings things we just need to front up to and talk about and be open about. The first one is our community. Um, have you heard of Dunbar's number? Oh, I have, because I watch QI. So I've heard of Dunbar, and I went on Wiki. And this is apparently a thing. There's this um, anthropologist character, and he came up with this thing called Dunbar's number. And it's a, somewhere between 120 and 150. And it's about the number of kind of relationships we can have. As people, and interesting, this number um, comes out in society a lot. It's the average number of Christmas cards people send. It's the average number of friends you'll have on Facebook. It's the average size in most modern militaries of a company of soldiers, which is the kind of fighting unit that they have. It's also, if we go back in history, it's the average size of old hunter-gatherer communities. And when it comes to church growth and church size, many churches hit this kind of size and stop. Because of the relational dynamics, almost you can't cope with more. We feel like we're kind of pushing through that. We're in that stage, which, which means things we have to deal with. Now, God has called us beyond that, so we're just going to have to work through this. But what it means for us as a church in terms of capacity is we need to be comfortable in a growing church with saying we're not going to know everyone. If you're new and you've just been in, come in in the last few weeks and months, you'll be like, duh, there's a lot of you here, of course. If you've been here a while, number of years, it's going to really rub because it's changing around you and we don't like change. But we've got to get to that point where actually, do you know what, we're not going to know everybody. Which means it's going to be okay on a Sunday to say, I'm not sure I know who that person is, that man, that woman, that child is. It's okay to talk to someone and say, look, just tell me your name. I think you've been here a while. I don't know it. Hi, I'm Stuart. Introduce yourself. That's okay. That's okay. That's just going to be the way it is. We're growing. But what that means for us is it highlights the importance of making sure we have community life growing so everyone feels connected. Because when you get to a bigger group, so I remember an elder in my previous church quoted to me this statistic they've done of all this research, that if you come to a new kind of church, if you haven't got connected into a, more, a smaller setting within six weeks, you start to feel out of it. It literally takes that long. That's not even two months. You need to get connected. You need to find some way of getting to know people and being around people in a slightly more personal context, which highlights for us the importance of our life groups that we have here. We have life groups as part of the church. We've got, currently got six. Some of them are getting big. We're going to multiply them, but we've got six. But you need to be connected to one. You need to be in one. You need to be, even if you can't attend every week, even if you're not kind of around that often, you shift work, child care, all these things come in, work patterns. But you need to be connected to a place where you know people because you'll start to feel out of it. And if you're not willing to do that, it's going to happen quicker and you've only got yourself to blame because that's what we're setting up as we saying, this is how we're trying to help you. We currently run our life groups on a three-week rolling cycle. We have life group, life group, which means midweek. Then we have the prayer meeting, which is the third week, and then we roll back round. And the prayer meeting is this Tuesday. We're going to be praying in a new venue for the first time in here. Whee! We've grown out of another room. We've grown out of our house. We can't fit everyone in, so we're coming in here. 
we're going to be praying here. So that's how, but you need to be connected. You need to get to the life groups. You need to get to prayer meetings. It just means being around people and connecting and saying hi, and you start to feel part of what we're doing. The other thing that can help you is being part of our serving setup. We've got multiple teams in kids work and youth work and AV and set up and life group leadership and the music, the band here. Lots of places to get connected. We've got one-off opportunities like the Big Sleuth coming up where you're just serving. It's just a way, again, to serve others but also connect with others just to meet some new faces, to meet some new people, be part of what we're doing as a community. And as we grow, this becomes more and more important. So I encourage you, if you're not involved in that, get connected. Second thing, communication. How we keep everyone up to date. You can, we cannot rely on informal communication anymore. You can't, we can't just, just, oh, the word will get round. You'll know when the next meeting is. We're too big for that, which means if you're not on our email sign-up or on our text out, we don't have your email address or your mobile phone number, we need it because you're going to miss out on communication. And if you're not getting the emails, we kind of send one, two a week. We don't spam you. We don't give the email address to anyone else. We just use it internally. And they're always really interesting emails. I just want to say that. Or text that. If you're not getting them, get on those groups just so you'll know what's going on. We've also got a Facebook group and a Twitter feed if you lose social media. And we've also got the website. But the primary thing is if you're not on those, fill out one of our contact cards from the host team. Get on it. Get in the communication loop. Because if you're not on it or you don't read them, you miss out. And all I can say to you is, tough. You know, we're too big. You know, we can't expect you, someone to run around after you. As we grow as a church, we have to grow up as individuals. So this is how we've got to do it, just to make sure everyone hears everything. All right? And the last one is capacity. What are we going to do with all these people? They keep joining us. They keep coming in. They like it. God is bringing them to us, and it's wonderful, and we rejoice in him fulfilling his word. But actually, we need all of you who are coming in, all of you here, to play your part to make it happen. We need leaders for kids' work because we're multiplying the teams. We need leaders for life groups because we need more life groups. We need more people to get involved in music and AV and set up and all those areas just to make it happen. And that's just kind of the way it's going. These are good problems to have, aren't they? It's better than the other one. We've got no one and everyone's leaving. But these are good problems to have. And as the church grows, we need to grow as individuals. We need to grow and change. We need to grow. We need to kind of just help get on board with where we're all going just to make the whole work. Last thing, and then I will finish. According to my app on my phone, there are 113 sleeps till Christmas. So give it a couple of weeks. There's, there's less than 100. Did you notice that the, 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 the bit at the beginning... Had, I, I, I did a double take. It had snow and it's grinning at me at the back. Unto us a child is born. I'm thinking, really? Really? The kids haven't gone back to school yet? But anyway, that's coming. So I just want to just remind us about what's coming this term. It's our last kind of run into Christmas. Crazy begins this week as far as I'm concerned. Summer is over. You know, it's got a bit colder. I'm wearing a jumper. You know, we're now going to hit autumn and everything. So just a quick reminder of some of the things that are coming up. Obviously, we've got the Joshua Sermon Series starting next week. We've got a whole bunch of courses running. You'll have heard about these from the front, seen them on the ears. We've got Alpha course running, Melanie and Charlie heard about that. We've got a marriage course running with Mike and Fliss over here. Space for a couple of um, couples to get involved in that. I sent an email about that last week. If you want to get involved in that, it's a great kind of way of just keeping... Uh, learning stuff in marriage, helpful conflict resolution, communication, all those things. You don't have to be on the 
the last legs of your marriage to get involved. It's helpful. I've done it in the past. Really good stuff. We've got the Freedom in Christ course running with Mike and Sarah. Sarah's here. Mike's is he with Elliot. He's with that with Elliot. Mike and Sarah running the Freedom in Christ course. If you haven't done Freedom in Christ, talk to them about what that's involved. Fantastic. We encourage everyone in the church to go through that. Get involved in that's happening. We've got I Am Real Life Church, which is about kind of, which are just single evenings, which are ways for new people to find out. Spend some time with me, Melanie, um, about the church and kind of where we're going and you can sort of make decisions about becoming members. Talk to Charlotte who was there but has now gone, not come and grab me about them. We'll put the dates out for them. We've got church at prayer in a new venue which will be coming four or five times this term in here Tuesday night. The most important meeting I think of the church that we have is our prayer meeting where we pray and seek God. It tells God, it tells God that we're serious that only he can build his church. If we don't have prayer meetings who don't want to pray we think we can do it. When we pray, we say, God, only you can do this. We've got Man V Fire on the 16th of September. And then we've got Christmas coming. These are the dates. Sunday, the 3rd of September, is Messy Christmas. Do you know what Messy Christmas is? What did I say? I did that deliberately. Well done for all who passed. Sunday, the 3rd of December, is Messy Christmas, which is, if you don't like glitter, it's hell on earth, but for everyone else, it's awesome. In this room, we invite 100 plus kids, all free event. We put on just free craft. We decorate this hall. We have a fantastic time. It sells out so quickly, we don't bother making flyers now. We just put one note on Facebook, and all the tickets go, and we get to serve people kind of in the town. Brilliant time. Then we've got our carol service on Sunday, the 17th of December, here where we're going to have a great time celebrating Jesus and invite as many people can and cram as many people in this room. Um, we've already got plans in place for that, putting that together, the theme, and we'll roll that out over the next weeks and months. So it's an exciting time, and then we'll give you a couple of Sundays off over Christmas. God is good, isn't he? God has been very good to us. Do you want to stand? I'm going to pray. Can the band come up and we will finish? I've thrown a lot of information at you this morning. But my hope is that you hear this and you're just excited about what God has done, what he's said to us, what he's going to continue to do. When I first preached this sermon, that front end part, I was looking out and there was eight adults and a kid. And now look around. Nothing is impossible for him nothing. God said he'd do it and it's not down to the ingenuity of man or how clever we are. God is good and God is fulfilling his word to us and he is building his church and I am just thrilled about what's happened and also what will happen. So I'm just going to pray and then I just want us to praise God and see if he's got anything particular to say to us this morning. So maybe you want to close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you said you would build your church. It's not about us. It's not about how good we are. It's not our church. It's your church, Lord Jesus. And we want to thank you for what you said to us as a little expression of that in real life church. We want to thank you for how you've blessed us and how you've moved us and how you've grown us and how you've added to us. I want to thank you so much for how many children we have here and how you're multiplying that. I want to thank you for how you're adding to us many, many adults as well and all you're doing. Lord, I want to thank you for what we've got planned for the future in the next few months and how you're going to use that for your glory. Lord Jesus, I want to say, God, fulfill your word amongst us that we become a large, influential, reproducing church that can point many, many, many people towards you. 
Lord Jesus, because it's all about you. Our heart and our desire is for many, many people, young and old, to come to know you for themselves. And for us who already do know you, to grow deeper in that relationship. Lord Jesus, we want to say we love you and we praise you. And God's people said, Amen.